When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to Theodora Speaks. This is our season finale, and I am so excited to report how much fun we had talking about taking calculated risks in your career. Thank you to our guests who shared their triumphant stories and inspired our listeners, and to you, our valued listeners. You have a lot of podcasts to choose from, and I'm elated and grateful that you spent season one with us. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. We're going to call it the best of edition. So sit back, relax, and reminisce about past episodes from season one on risk-taking in your professional career. And if you haven't listened to all the episodes, I encourage you to do so and would greatly appreciate it. There's episodes one through 14. So sit back and here we go. The first round of quotes from episode one is all centered around taking calculated risks in your professional career. What made our guests overcome their fears of failure to take calculated risks in their careers? You'll hear from Noel Kirchner from episode five, Cheryl Malatich from episode seven, Dr. Gazale Samandari from episode eight, episode nine, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, Shannon Wilkinson in episode 10, Jesse Pierce in episode 12, and Melissa Barrett from their final episode, 14. So take a listen to these following quotes. What does taking a risk mean to you? I feel like, you know, it's funny because I would not think of myself, nor would a lot of friends and family think of me as a risk taker. Um, but at the same time, you know, hearing out loud kind of my, my journey, right. And I think there's been a number of different areas in my life where I did, and I have taken risks. Um, I think taking a risk is really, you kind of, I think as a person, and again, this is coming from someone who I think naturally don't like to do something that's uncomfortable or that's kind of outside of the, the pattern. But I think as a person, somewhere along the line, you, I think, reach a point where it's kind of a self, you know, uh, am I fulfilled? Am I truly happy? Uh, am I bringing good to other people as well? So all of that, I think if you kind of check the boxes and it's not a hundred percent, you know, and believe me, there are days and, you know, different circumstances where it's not a good, you know, checkbox all the way across, but it's taking a chance is doing something where you kind of follow your passion. Uh, you follow your inner voice. Um, 
and you kind of take a leap of faith to trust yourself and you know people around you to kind of do that next thing that again make make you uncomfortable at first or may feel odd but you know that on the other side something better is out there it's always i think it's kind of that that process of evolving and growing rely on faith and not fear in those moments i would say it's really important to me to clarify you know in our society when we hear risk we may think um high risk behavior toward immediate gratification where there is maybe immediate mm -hmm reward but long-term negative consequences and i'm not talking about that kind of risk i'm talking about the kind of risk that is a calculated response after introspection that's rooted in faith and not fear and mm -hmm. how do we shape what that risk looks like and be sure that it is calculated and measured that's what I really try to flush out in my book. And persistence kind of piggybacks on that risk because I think it's hard enough sometimes to rally enough to take that leap in mm -hmm. a risk. But persistence requires us to hang out and be vulnerable right there, mm -hmm. to keep risking, to keep putting ourselves out there. I was uh, actually in the process of interviewing for that role in supply when I was offered the promotion to stay where I was at in that typical engineering path. And this was the very first time I made a huge risk in my career. Wow. I turned down that promotion and I decided to roll a dice and see if I could get that, that job in the supply organization because I really wanted to do something different and didn't necessarily want to be that you know quote unquote typical engineer mm -hmm. that and this, going through the same path that everybody else was and i look at back at that now and i did get the the job in supply and i did get a promotion Congrats. actually to go into the into the supply organization but there were so many people that looked at me like i was crazy like why would you turn down a promotion and you know you're an engineer you you want to take a typical path of an engineer why would you want to go into the supply organization but when i think about it it was one of the best decisions i ever made and it was one of two times in my career that i think really defined my career because what it was for me was about personal growth and that taught me very early in my career that it was okay to take a risk the advice I tell people is follow your passion. You know, getting an engineering degree is not easy. Mm -mm. And if you're not following your passion and what you really truly believe in and what you want to do, it's going to be even that much harder. So, you know, work hard, follow your passion, and don't ever let someone tell you that you can't do something. Don't be afraid to take risks. To me, it's about leaning into an area that makes you uncomfortable or that you don't know a whole lot about. And the other, the flip side of that is also making sure that you're resilient enough to bounce mm -hmm. back if things don't quite work the way that you expected. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's okay to take a chance and build on imperfections and failures. And you can expect that that's going to happen. But it's all about that resiliency 
to say that that's okay. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off and continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. Because I think really how you react when you fail says as much about you as how you respond when you succeed. Risk-taking to me means in the simplest form, taking one step in a new direction. Just one, not the whole thing. All I gotta do is just put my right foot down and then my left foot down. Well, I can do that. I can do that. And if, if we were to look at risk that same way, I think people would be more inspired to do different things that they long for in their life that are just too big or scary at this moment. I am not a risk taker, believe it or not. Um, I, ever since I had my son 21 years ago, I have tried to play things very safe. Um, I have no problem. I will put myself out there in the sense that I will pitch a book, pitch a story, pitch anything, because the worst thing that can happen is someone says no to me. So I don't necessarily see that as a risk because the only thing I'm really risking is just my pride which, you know, that, that says something. Um, but I, if you don't put yourself out there in that sense, or just having a realistic concept that the worst thing that could happen is just being told no, I mean, that's pretty great. That's pretty empowering in itself. Well, I, taking risks, of course, means that you might, you know, fail. Um, so, you know, there, there's this idea that you have to kind of balance out the risk and, um, also in taking risks, you know, if you do experience a failing, um, you know, dealing with that, um, innovation does not happen without risk. So if we avoid risk altogether, we won't ever move forward or innovate. Um, but there's something that I like, it's called the crawl method. Um, and it helps us kind of understand, um, risk and failing as well. Um, that if, if we take a risk and that we have a failing, um, and I, I like to make the difference between failing and failure because failing is just like something temporary that we can overcome and failure basically means that we've quit um, and that we're not going to move forward. Um, but the first thing with crawl um, that it tells us to do, like if we take a risk and then we fail is like it takes some time to cool off, um, take a deep breath and not don't let our emotions, you know, rule our next decision making process and, and you know, not let our emotions rule what we do next. And then we take time to reflect, like we take a look, you know, and say, how, how does this affect my future? And we find, you know, that it might not have such a big impact on our future after we take that time to reflect. And then we assess, you know, what, what can we learn from this failing and what can we learn to, you know, take that risk again, but not make the same mistake. And, you know, what can we do to prevent this failure from, um, you know, the next time? And then we remind ourselves why we're doing something. You know, why, why is this important? Why, why am I passionate about it? Why do I want to do this? Um, and what, what does success mean to me um, in, in taking this risk? And then finally, you know, we move on. We, we take that next, next risk and we leap. Um, and then we move on to success. You know, we have to rem remember that, you know, risk and success is, um, you know, it's a process. You, you, you risk, you try, you fail, you reinvent, you try again. And, and it's not, you know, it's not just a linear line that you get to, you know, you try and you succeed, but it's like the circular thing. You try, risk, uh, you know, um, fail, succeed kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's a process, definitely. The process and we learn from our failures to help with the reinvention. I mean, I think it means not being afraid of the failures, even if it 
even if the successes take a while, can't get a big reward without a big risk. Sometimes we say it all the time, but it's, it's so true. So I think not being afraid of failure and facing that failure and, and figuring out how to move past it when it, when it comes, because it will come every, Everybody will experience the failure when you're taking a risk ultimately, mm-hmm. but just knowing how to, to move on from that and, and figure out your next steps is really important. Attitude makes such a difference. And when you have the right attitude, you literally have the ability to empower yourself to take the risks that you want to take and to do the things you want to do without regret. I mean, for me, that's like, that's what life you want to live, right? Now, you just don't wake up and take a calculated risk. It takes time, perseverance. You need to maybe call your circle of friends, your trusted advisors, coaches, mentors. And so what tools do you need to sharpen in order to take calculated risks in your career? Well, sit back, listen to the following episodes where Amy Stevens and Sam Olson from episode two on mindful breathing and the connection to your pelvic floor talk about the tools they sharpened when taking their calculated risks. And listen to Nicole Bolden from episode six, where she talks about something a little unconventional. And then in episode eight, Dr. Gosley talks about the tools she sharpened when taking her risks. I can't imagine being around my children and teaching my children that it's okay to stay in something that does not bring you joy. I want them to see a mom who is willing to take a risk, to see a mom that is happy, that is joyful, that I'm not coming home angry and upset over work every day. And to see a mom who works really hard, (laughs) who started from ground zero in this new profession and is just slowly building, building, and building. What do you think? Having that, that village, that tribe with you can absolutely be a tool to help when taking a risk. You guys are going to laugh, but I am a huge maker of pro lists. Sam, I don't know if you do this, Gail, I don't know if you do this, but I love to see What is the worst thing that can happen? In all honesty. For me, it's, so it's a different spin to it. It's doing that thing that your heart is calling to do, but you have stopped yourself because it didn't fit the box you think you have to stay in. Mm -hmm. So let's take RV life. I love to travel. I love to explore. But I was a little nervous on how to do that with my family. But we took the risk anyway. It was like, let's get an RV and let's travel. We can still do this. We can, all we need is good internet. So we took the risk to travel with our family and do homeschooling and work on the road. That was a huge risk for us. Very. <laughs> we risk people looking like, you're an RV? Like, no, we're not homeless. We without a traditional home, but we have a home. Right. <laughs> and we're traveling the country. and. When the world opens back up, we want to travel the world. Like we're just doing something a little unconventional. I'm going to take that leap. What tools help you take your risks? Oh, well, the love of my life, for sure. Um, I think emotional and relational support is so key to allowing us to um, 
take leaps or take risks because you know at the end of the day someone's there to catch you if you fall or that people still love you if you mess up or you know whatever the the narrative is in your head that's making you feel scared about taking the first step I think it's so important to look to the people in your life who love and support you. This next quote is from my high school bestie, Beth's work, where she gives us a masterclass in CYE, how she changed her energy and moved cross country for a new adventure and a more fulfilled life. And I was ready for a change. And I thought, um, can I really do this? It was very scary. You know, some families, it's very normal for like every family member to be in a different city in a different country and they're all over the place. But like our family was just always in the Midwest, in the suburbs of Chicago, both grandparents. It, this was a big, this was a big decision and a first of its kind. Um, and my, one of my best friends, Kelly, who is my friend who I'd come out here to visit all the time she we were talking one night when I came out to visit and I was like I think I'm ready I think I'm ready to do this but I'm scared and she we were sitting at this little uh B&B in wine country with pool mm. and she said you know what you just need to jump in the pool you need to change your energy and you need to jump in the pool and I was like yeah okay and she's like no 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 like literally jump in the pool and I was like, okay. And she's the wild adventurous one. I am not at all. She said, change your energy. CYE. It's our, it's going to be our new hashtag. CYE, change your energy, jump in the pool. And she was like, I think we need to jump in this pool. And so she got up with her clothes on and jumped in the pool. <laughs> said, jump in the pool, twerk. And I was like, I don't want to jump in the pool. And then it, in, in my head, I'm going, oh my God, if I don't jump in this pool, <laughs> yeah. that is a different trajectory that I don't want for my life. So I jumped in that damn pool. So you physically jumped in and got I physically water. jumped in the pool. My picture yeah. of Kelly in my phone is her with her clothes out of the pool. <laughs> and so we were both in our clothes in the pool. And um, Love it. I said, all right, let's do it. So that is a, a longer story, but I, that would be my true advice to anybody <laughs> to my 20-year-old self I is never jump in the pool. Resiliency is a superpower. Tune in here when Dr. Nicole Sapphire talks about how resilience and risk go hand in hand. I One of the best unplanned events of my life started between the summers of my junior and senior year of high school. I uh, found out that I was pregnant Yes, me, I was the honor student, cheerleader, gymnast, that picture perfect, what everyone thinks you're supposed to be when you're in high school. But then I was also that statistic of that high school pregnancy. So leave it to me to just go all encompass on, you know, hitting those marks. I mean, it was a big decision to make. And, you know, I say that I was grateful that I had choices of what I could do um, when I found myself in that situation. And I made the choice to have my son uh, he was born about six weeks before I graduated high school, and he, I mean, he's been with me ever since then, and he just turned 21 a few weeks ago. So he definitely thrust me into being an adult much sooner than I probably would have planned, but you know, he's really given me a purpose since I was 18 years old and making sure that he was going to be okay. You know, a lot of that generation when you're in your 
late teens, early 20s, you really only care about yourself. You're a little self-absorbed. Well, I, I got to skip that part of my life. And all of a sudden, everything was about this little guy. And how was I going to take care of him? And, you know, I think a lot of people feel that they still aren't able to reach their goals. They're not able to, they wouldn't be able to still go to college or go to medical school or any of these other things. And undoubtedly it was a little bit more challenging. I mean, breastfeeding during college is not the easiest thing to do, um, but it's still possible. And so uh, that was for someone who's type A like me, it was the time where I had to lean on support systems, which can be hard for people. Um, but I was very thankful to have friends and family who were able and willing to help me when I needed. They still help me. My, I flew my mother in from Arizona last couple of weeks ago after my second surgery. I need help. I have no problem phoning a friend these days. And we'll always need our mom, no matter how old or young yes. we are. This next section talks about leadership. Listen for when Dr. Nicole Sapphire talks about her strength and how she tied into that. Listen for when Claudia Harvey talks about mottos and why they're so important when it comes to success and leadership. From episode 13, Donna Brighton defines what a cultural change strategist is. She also has a retreat where she ties leadership and wine and why they go hand in hand. And if you think about the legs of wine, when you swirl the wine in a glass and how conversation is had and camaraderie around the room and why communication is so important, you want to tune in here on why wine and leadership go hand in hand. I would say that it, my biggest strength has actually turned into one of my biggest weaknesses these days is that always trying to prove yourself. Um, when I, when I went through that, when I was about 17, 18, and there was just so much negativity towards me saying I wasn't going to be able to do this and you know, a lot of negative comments, it was just, I'm going to continue to prove them wrong and just not letting that negativity get to you. You have to channel it into almost like this, um, I don't want to say anxiety, but there's just these emotions and you have to figure out something to do with it. And so why not take all of that energy and make it productive? So when you're feeling a certain way, instead of just sitting and either feeling sorry for yourself or getting angry, just channel that and turn it into something productive, whether it's writing something, exercising, calling someone or just persevering along your goals. I mean, making little checklists to see realistic checklists, what you can and cannot get accomplished and can be very helpful. So Claudia, you have a motto and your motto that I read is, I live each day with three words in mind, strength, balance, and harmony. So share with us where that motto, how that motto came to be. I think I realized that that is not my definition of success. My definition of success was living in strength, balance, and harmony. If I'm not harmonious, I don't live in balance. If I don't have balance, I can't be harmonious. Strength comes from being balanced and harmonious. And that includes myself plus those around me. So if my kids are not in harmony, if they're not balanced, if their life isn't balanced, I'm not balanced. Mm -hmm. Because above all, I am definitely a business owner and a multi-business owner, but I'm a mom. You are denoted for uncorking connections. You're the founder of a few leadership companies, a couple which house executive events. You've written a book, reinvented yourself a time or two, and so much more. But most notably, Donna, you're denoted as a culture change strategist. Share with us what that means. 
Culture change strategy is nothing more than recognizing that within an organization, there are these cultural norms that either help or hinder whatever change you're trying to make. So my goal is helping leaders be intentional about understanding those precise change or precise strategies, you know, those things that they need to accomplish and the connection between that and their culture mm-hmm. because culture always needs to drive strategy. And so we connect culture change and strategy. And there you have culture change strategist. It is what wind decants that I enjoy the most, the legs of conversation and the bouquet of relationships and friendships that often are accomplished when you uncork the bottle and pour a glass of fragrant communication. Wine has a way of bringing people together to share a common interest while swirling conversation around the room. The owner of the winery come and share a little bit about two wines that everybody was gonna taste. And the idea is just creating an experiential lesson. So um, the Dan was there and he talked about his two wines. Now they were made of the same varietal, which means the same kind of grape, right? And they were grown at the same time. They were also made by the same winemaker. The only difference in tasting these two different bottles of wine was where the grapes had been grown. And in wine terminology, you probably know that's called terroir. So the illustration was as people were tasting these two different glasses of wine, Both Merlots, both grown in the same year, made by the same winemaker. One was valley floor fruit and one was mountain fruit. Mm. And it was fascinating because everybody had different points of view about which one they liked better. And the lesson that comes from that is just like people grow differently in different environments, grapes grow differently. And you'll get a different experience depending upon that environment. My second favorite quote, besides Beth's change your energy from episode four, is in episode 14, where Melissa Ferret talks about diversity and inclusion. And in episode seven, Cheryl Malatich talks about a quote from her CEO at why getting the seat at the table is important but also earning it is too. You can have diversity without inclusion, but you can't have inclusion without diversity. I think a lot of times we spend too much time trying to figure out what somebody is or what ethnicity they are, but we don't engage in order to create the conversation and the dialogue to actually get to know someone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the 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 point of, you know, just being able to be more than one thing. People are very unique. I'm not just a woman. I'm not just black. I'm not just Hispanic. I'm all of that. You know, for me, it's getting that seat at the table. Um, and, you know, once you're invited to the table, being treated equitably. You know, my, my CEO has a, has a great phrase that I love. He says that inclusion is being invited to the party but equity is about being asked to dance. The last topic, which is going to be our season two 
theme and focus is on reinvention. From episode one, my kindred spirit, Lindsay Sievert, who left corporate America in 2020, just like I did, to reinvent her professional career while focusing on her family. We're talking about being a statistic in 2020 about women leaving uh, the workforce. And not that we're leaving the workforce by any stretch of the means, we're reinventing ourselves, right? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, we've all seen the data. It's an epidemic within a pandemic, really. And, um, And I think it says something more about our larger society and the systems that we've created. For better, for worse, these are the systems in place. And in most homes, well, I'll just speak for myself. I take on more of the distance learning and I took the step back in my career willingly. Join me this November when I launch season two of Theodora Speaks, a great lineup of incredibly talented Theodoras who will share their stories and inspiration with you. Season two focuses on career reinvention. And to me, reinvention has no age limit and my guests feel the same way. Until then, I encourage you to stay in the know and sign up for my newsletters at gailkeller.org and also learn on how I can empower women in STEAM to take calculated risks in their professional careers and advise companies and universities on gender inclusion in the STEAM sectors. Thank you and stay courageous. Can't wait to tune in and connect again in November. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.